So with Paul DeRigo, Somerville is a short film play at the Fantasy Sci-Fi Film Festival. He is the writer and he's the producer. He's also one of the lead actors in the film. Paul, you're an actor by trade, correct? That's correct. I technically didn't write it. I did some additional writing. Uh, Anthony DiPietro did the writing and directing. I did second unit directing. So but you want to make sure like, fair. You, you got into this industry as an actor. Correct. Yeah, a long time ago. A long time ago, I started out, believe it or not, in stage combat. Oh wow! I was a martial artist and a teacher for twelve years, but I just loved. I I used to love the show Kung Fu with David Carradine. That's what got me into martial arts, and I used to love fight scenes. I, I used to watch watch them like crazy. So that's how I got started. I got started mostly with fight scenes. I worked at the Ren Fair, um, uh, film stage combat, and, and theater. And how, how did you get into acting? Like, uh, like you just just took classes and stuff? Yeah, I, I first started off with the Stanislavski technique. Then I moved into Meisner. Then I moved into Michael Chekhov technique, which is the the technique that I really made me understand acting could be fun. Gotcha. How many times have you played a, a police officer in all your roles? <laughs> A lot. I used to play it a lot more, uh, but I, I, I played. I was a reserve police officer when I was a kid. That's the funny part. And I still have my uniform and my my holster and everything, my badge. But yeah, I I, I don't care. I'll take it. Uh, it was on Everybody Hates Chris for eight episodes. At yeah, the top. I remember you. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. an underrated show. So yeah, well, you know, Ollie Leroy was the producer, and I have to tell you, I used to stand behind him and watch him watch the monitors and and he would compose shots like jason what was his name from uh um seinfeld uh jason alexander alexander thank you he was directing an episode it was the, i think it was the the new year's eve episode or the gun battle episode one of the final episodes and he was trying to get this complicated shot in the hallway and ali's like no 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 you put the camera here. You got the guy go from here to here to here. One shot. He's like, okay, we're going to do that. And it was because Ali had so much experience, you know, and he and you get, he have all these new directors come in, but they don't have understanding of how to do things fast. And that's how I learned, like on a set, is you get about three takes. And it's the, the camera's got to get it right. The acting's got to get it right. And then finally the direction, you know. So it took about, I noticed you get three takes. Gotcha. No, the reason I brought up the cop because you have that New York, you have that New York City kind of Italian kind of like vibe, and I guess that that basically that that's that that's your that's your strength and your weakness at the same time, I guess, right? Because you can get typecast, but it's also can get you get you a lot of roles at the same time, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. The, I think that the fallacy is mobster fallacy incongruency is mobster i can play i like comedy i like physical comedy and i and i do like the serious role so i'm not a big guy so it's hard to cast me as like a bruiser you know it's not really like you know who's going to believe a 510 guy 180 something is going to come and kick everybody's butt but you know i can play the mob boss or i can play a mob guy you know yeah which i have which yeah. is which is interesting because because of your martial arts background, you probably can kick most people's butts, right? Nah, I don't know about that. It's not about that. There was, right? I mean, look, yeah. Well, there was a time, you know, like I said, I can kick everybody's butt, but I was highly trained. Yeah, that's, that's know, what like, I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that was that was part of it, you know. 
And the more training I got, the more awareness I got into my skill set, the less I wanted to fight. It was like, you know, I remember the story of my teacher in San Diego, Mike Patterson. He was he, he fought in Taiwan. He was the champion three years in a row. And he really taught me how to fight because the first I learned Northern Shaolin and internal styles. We never sparred. So I was like, man, we're getting our butt kicked. You know, <laughs> we better find something else. So I when I met Mike Patterson, uh, he was teaching me these, you know, very fighting techniques and so forth. And I went, wow, I get it. I go, T I go, Sheriff, how am I going to know when to use this? Because I was worried, you know, I was like, well, how am I going to know? And he says, you'll know. I go, no, 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 seriously, how, how am I going to know? So long story short, he says, you know, there, do you remember the story in the Bible when Jesus enters the temple and he overturns the tables and, and yells at the at the, the people in there and says, how dare you turn my house into a den of thieves? He, I go, yeah. He goes, there comes a time when enough is enough. I said, okay. So 20 something years later, I'm in Hollywood and there's a girl getting beat up. I noticed about midnight and I intervened. And it was the one time I felt very clear about what I was doing. Like, I don't care what happens to me afterwards. You could say it's my fault, but I intervened, helped, you know, got the guy. And then afterwards I called my teacher. I go, Sheriff, I finally got the story. After all these years, that fight on the street was the one I said, I get it. That and it was the time where I knew that that was the that was a bad situation to help. Yeah. Gotcha. Wow, that's interesting. Thanks for sharing that. So yeah. what, let, let's talk about Somerville. So you, you kind sure. of said something interesting in the blog interview where you said it was like it started off with let, let's shoot a quick scene. And then now it becomes this 26 minute kind of epic <laughs> short film, sci-fi short film. How does it go from shooting a quick scene to making this 26 minute film? You know, I was just I was just looking to do some work and I thought, ah, easy breezy. It's a couple of pages. <laughs> and then. I got, a, I got a friend. I said, dude, I read like several of the scripts. I didn't like any of them. But I said, there's three pages in here or whatever, three or five pages. I like that little part. Let's just shoot that. He's like, sure. So I, I got him together. Okay, we're starting to put things together. I'm like, man, we're going to need some money. You know, we need some money to make it look decent. Okay. So, you know, I talked to my other friend, Anthony, and I said, hey, Ant, I got this short, you know, a couple of pages. And he says, you ready? He goes, well, the long story short is like, well, either do it big or go home. I'm like, do it big or go home. And so we shot, uh, we raised, uh, I don't know, $2,800 and we paid out of our own pocket. The first shot, the first shooting schedule and script, I looked at it, went, you know, something's missing, man. Yeah, it was. So we went back, shot subsequently five more days. <laughs> and then it turned into this epic. And I finally, after I finally cut it, and I, I realized this is a pilot. This is yeah. a little scene. It's like three and a half years later. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, so I hope it was worth it. You know, now it is. Yeah. But I made, my, I gave my word. I've never dropped a project and said, and because and I, I took people's money. And I said, you know, I, I've never dropped a project and been like, yeah, sorry, guys, can't do it. Sorry. I'm like, I'm going to finish this thing whatever it takes and it was i had three editors quit a colors quit uh it, uh, it one editor Aaron, he had it for a year but it was complicated to try to make it all work with time jumps and and stuff like that so i finally took over and yeah put it all together that's rewarding because now it's done 
And I go, I complete, I gave my, I completed my word. I said, okay, I'll do it. And I told everybody who donated, hey, it's finished. Here it is. Thank you. And now it's six festivals or seven festivals now, which is really nice. So it seems like it was a little bit of a education for you from a producer standpoint, like how to kind of put yeah. a film together. Well, you know, it, this is not my first one. This is uh, my third. My first one was something called FBI Guys, which was a pilot. That I did the same thing, but that I had, I don't know, I had such synergy and that's right after 9-11, right? I had such synergy with that project and people just jumped on board. The second one was called Real Stage, which was another short that I shot over here in Hollywood. My first real director debut. And then this one. But you, and I helped other people with it. But you've yeah, been, I've helped other people with their films and so forth. And yeah. But I've been acting 30 years. So it's not like I didn't know a set. I just had to understand when when to get things, how to get things done, uh, to be tenacious as hell, uh, to make requests, right? You, and when you make a quest, you got to do it with conviction. You know, you go like, here's what we're up to. You have to tell, you have to be accurate. Like, here's what we're doing. Here's what we got. Do you want to join us? You know? So, but I guess it was the more of like the, the genre that you're working with in post-production that made it complicated, I guess, right? To put it all together. Exactly. The, it, I had several visual effects people and I got so lucky on the last kid I found. His name was Blaine. I mean, he was just a trooper, man. I'd ask him to do stuff and he'd be like, yeah, sure, sure. And I hardly paid him a pittance. I paid him. And, and but, you know, the kid came through, you know, and, and that was some of the hard part because this is a sci fi. Yeah. And I couldn't do the dream sequences or the time jump sequences. What, what we really wanted, which is visual wormhole thing so the, and then i had to figure out in cutting like how do i do it oh man like how do i get this done and then i finally just truncated this montage we had the small bits to let people know and you see me wake up so it's like oh after a second time you know people start to get oh, okay you know we're getting it i don't i didn't hit people on the head with it you know like subtitle now we time travels no it was kind of like I, I wanted to trust the audience to not always give them spoon feed them right and when i watch a film i don't like to be spoon fed i want to kind of be enamored and and, and think things through and, and so forth so anthony's the credit director so he was he, he wasn't involved in the post-production as much or well he was for about a year and then he kind of gave up. <laughs> kind of, yeah, kind of, and I kind of took over. Yeah, yeah, it happens, uh, I guess, right? So, well, yeah, and, and you know, you know, Aaron had a family, and he could only put in, I think, a day or so a week, and you know, that's 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 a hard task, that's a hard call. So, finally, I just, you know, and finally he quit, and I understood, and I and I had to take over. So, what does he think of the film now? Well, I mean, his first comments were, wow, I can see you put a lot of time into this, which is, I guess that's a compliment. I, I mean, he, he came to the screening, you know, the festival, the other one. I think he, I would hope he'd be happy we finished it, Yeah, you know, and it's done. You know, that's that's saying something. Yeah, well, I guess I guess because it, it must be it must be a weird feeling. And But uh, the film, it's a really nicely shot film. It's got a really interesting look to it. Uh, like a nice vibe, nicely performed, nice style to it. Uh, like, nicely, like nicely photographed. So it's like you, 
So there was something there, obviously, in when you're in post-production putting it together, you knew that there was something, there is something substantial that if it worked, you know, you can you can make it work, I guess, I'm assuming. Yeah, we shot on the Canon um, C300 Mark II. Yeah. And we shot on the Canon 5D Mark IV. That was mostly the skull and exterior, some of the exterior. And the drone, of course, uh, was a 4K drone. And when I pick up the girl, that's the drone camera, the, the uh, what do you call it, camera that goes underneath the drone. Yeah. So, you know, we had three different cameras on it. What I, I, I know we had good shots, and then we had some shots that were troublesome. Like, wow, the color's really off on that one. Okay. <laughs> No life. We're not reshooting, man. <laughs> We're gonna have to make this one work because, uh, you know, <laughs> the location for the warehouse. Another horror story. We shot two days there, but when we got there, yeah, there was a kid's playground. We didn't know. Yeah, and all of a sudden we're like rolling. Hey, Johnny, come run over here! <laughs> run, 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 run! We're like, oh my god, what the hell! And they rented it out as a as a location for filming. We're like, you think you could have told us that we would have, you know, kids playing in the background? But but then on the reshoots, we had to go back another day, and I was trying to get it for the same rate. And the one of the two owners, one owner was real hard ass, and she's like, no, you have to pay full rate. I'm like, but that's more than our budget of the film, uh, you know. And then I get in a fight with her. And I go to Anthony and I go, Anthony, good cop, bad cop, man. You got to go save this. I was the ass. Now you got to be the good guy. Yeah. And he did. So he goes in there. Yeah, Paul's a jerk. You know, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> so we well, kind of screwed you, though. Huh? They screwed you by not telling you about the about the, the kids' playground. So the location, I, I felt that. I felt that. Because that's the majority. That's part of my argument. The majority of film is the three of you performing in the warehouse, right? So, yeah, the warehouse, a lot of the exteriors, believe it or not, we have a lot more footage that we didn't use in the park. When originally the film started with me in the park with my original wife. So we have a drone coming into this park in, in, uh, in, uh, in Van Nuys. And then we have a park shots and we're laying in the park talking or I'm sleeping and she's looking around and then the aliens come in and blow her up. And yeah, I time jumped there first and then you don't know what's happening. I just kept waking up like, what the hell is going on? This feels weird. Like, and then it happens again. Yeah. And then we, we cut, we cut and go into the despotic shots. So you got the actor who can kind of gets like shot. He gets like uh he gets arrows and his like he gets like like he gets like there's so much blood and good. it's almost comical <laughs> in a sense where like he just like takes a beating for like five five straight minutes in the film. Yeah, and, <laughs> but it's like good. No, I was going to say that's true. You know, we had seven people on the floor with blood hoses attached. Yeah, to was, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had these plastic hoses, and I was practicing in the in the alley by my house with this the special effects makeup girl, and I shot myself in the face with the blood, and we all started laughing, you know. But we had all these hoses, and people had hand pumps, you know, the <laughs> and the air compressed uh, bike bike uh, compression yeah. uh, uh, inflators, and we would time it just like, okay, guys, you ready? One, two, three, four, five, and they would all practice, and okay, we got it, and you see. <laughs> We wanted it to be gross 
and, and you know and bloody like that but i have to tell you the funny part for me is when the girl gets zapped by the drone you know and by the lightning bolts and everything and i just laugh at that i'm like yeah and she does a fantastic job too so you're like so uh was it nika who's uh the actress? Nika played the other yeah the second female yeah Oh, so is it Olga who played the blonde? Who's the the blonde? Correct. Olga played my wife. Okay. And Nika plays the stranger. The stranger, who yeah. We find out is turning, yeah. Yeah. So, but Olga's like fantastic in the film. It's like this is like she's like you know haggard or whatever, and like there, there's like there's like there's some really good there's really some really good moments in that warehouse uh, scene. That's Nika. Yeah, that's Nika. Yeah, yeah. There was. Uh, Again, it was a long, it was, that was three days of shooting and we had to go back and match it. So I, the actors were troopers, you know, Danny, the, the villain was a trooper, you know, we're in my garage, the scene where he lays down and the blood pours out of him and his face turns. Yeah. That wasn't supposed to happen. I just had this feeling, like, hey, wait a minute, uh, watch this. So I put the hose with the pump, blood in it and I started pumping it and you see it landing on the floor and out of his mouth. And that was that was the shot, you know. And he's laying there, and he comes up. It's like, you know, all over him. I, you know, some of these actors, you look at them in, in films, or they're in water, like uh, Leonard, Leonardo DiCaprio in that uh, film that he did with the bear, the, the Revenant, one, the, won the Oscar for, yeah, yeah, the Revenant, the Revenant. Jeez, yeah. Louise, he's in that freezing water, and then he's in the snow, and oh my god, they're weeks there. They're not a couple of hours. They're weeks doing yeah. that. Yeah. yeah did, did you know that they're gonna do he was gonna do that in one shot? He wanted to do that in one shot, the director. And then they they had they were planning on it for weeks, and then they had they had a, they had so much problems, they had to switch he had to switch his whole design of the film. So uh wow. Yeah, because he just did the birdman, right? And then he did the birdman in one shot. Well, technically, it looks like it's one shot. And the design, then, right? The design looks like one shot. Which one? He wanted the same film. thing with the covenant, and then it just didn't work out. So they had he had to change. He had to change his whole area design. So, oh, yeah. Even it's such a great film. Problems, right? Yeah, you know, but they have money. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you don't have when you do a low budget film, you don't have money. It's all sweat and tears, and 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 begging. And this is the last film, by the way. And I'm declaring this. The last film I will do for no money. Okay. So the last one. So okay, so what do you do you want? You said this is like kind of like a proof of concept for like a series. Like do you do you think this could be a series? Yeah, to me, you know, it doesn't even have to be like seasonal. It could be like a six episode, you know, one season thing, which is they pick up on, you know, they they do that. But what I did with this one in the cut was I realized at the end. When when I have when I tell Nika that we have to get her to Somerville, she gave a look after I when I agreed to take her there. She gave this look. You see what the film ends on her, because she did that gesture, and she kicked the dirt, and then she looks back at me. That originally wasn't in the cut, and, the, and I looked at it and I, wait a minute, there's another moment there. That's where the story ends. It ends on her journey now to the next episode, which is try to get her to Somerville. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, okay, yeah, that's what it is. Because my acting coach, he was always about, he says, films are made up of scenes which are made up of moments. And you don't run over the moments. The moments are the thing. And I never forgot that. You know, Jack Colvin was one of my teachers. He studied with Michael Chekhov here in Hollywood. It was amazing. 
But, you know, it was one of my takeaways. And I always try to give moments like that when I'm listening. Just when I listen, I try to be actively engaged and, and have the words mean something to me. When I'm hearing somebody, they mean it means something. And you don't, some actors get lazy, you know, but no, no, no. When you hear, when you listen, it's got to impact you because it's either against your, your objective or for your objective, right? And it, it's got to show. And that's what I learned in TV too, is to be a good listener because they cut back to you. They cut back, they need something to cut back to. Yeah, and if course. you're doing a good job listening, you're going to get more screen time. It's not about the it's not about what the lines you're delivering. It's about the reactions, I guess. And, and it's, it's in its basic sense, basically what you're just saying, right? You have to be there for the moment, I guess, right? You're engaged. Do you know that? Do you know that when you're acting with somebody that when someone's just kind of like going through the motions? That's you know, in theater, we 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 discuss that a lot because when you go on stage. And you work with people who have like, they're like cardboard. My, my acting coach, you know, we'd say like, how do we work with somebody who doesn't give us anything to respond off of? Yeah. And that's, the, yeah. And that's the part you have to be the source of it. You have to be the source of it. And yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it is tough. But that's what makes good actors good is because they don't do that. And as you get older in the business and you have more experience and you, you hopefully get in productions that, you know they they cast correctly you know good talented people who who give you something that's the fun part about acting yeah. i don't want to just stand there i want to be something with you or against you that's the yeah. fun part you know and then they, and they make you I'm like well, then they make you better of course right because you're like you're sparring always with yeah always yeah when you let go and you are just listening to what they say because you you don't want to think you know what they're going to say you want to listen to it and be and then and then go, what are they gonna say this time? You know, how are they gonna address it this time? Mm-hmm. And then you wait for it. You know, because usually you're like, okay, I know what he's gonna say. He's gonna say, Yeah, let's go jump off this cliff. No, that then he might say, you know what, we're not gonna jump off the cliff. We're gonna try to take a heron glider. Oh, thank God. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it's a different line, but you gotta be ready for that. You gotta always be, you know, you don't want to have your already always listening. Instead of the impulsive responses, which is, I don't know what they're going to say. And is it going to help me or hurt me? You know, from what my objective is, you know. Is there an actor that or actors that stand out that, that like, who are like, that you love, like, love to work with that were exceptional, how you described in, in your career? Well, and did you, I don't know if you looked up FBI guys. There's a pilot I shot called FBI guys. And Joel Spence is somebody who I worked with on that. And he and I were, we were so connected that way. There's some scenes in the trailer, you can see it, where we hold up our badges. And I just got done explaining to him, here's how we're going to go into this warehouse. We're going to hold up our badges. We're going to say what we do, but you got to cover up your name. Okay, so he holds it up. He doesn't cover up his name. And and I look at it and I go, no, 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 you got to. And he's like, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, wait, you go. Uh, uh, we're back. <laughs> we're going back and forth. It was a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. We got these, you know, gem moments together. So, okay, so they, the, 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 this particular film, you finally finished it after all these years. Was yeah. it always your agenda? Like, I'm just going to let, I want people to see. It. I'm going to send the festival, see what the reaction is going to be. Yep. And you said it's, it's been at six, seven festivals so far? Yeah. I think it just got into, it got into this other festival just recently. They just said we're a finalist today. And then we're going to be in the Venice shorts. I think they screen it in January. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. And so our festival, we send you the audience to you. Uh, what did you think about the audience of the city about your film? From our festival? I really liked it. I liked hearing what they had to say because you're, you're going, oh, God, how are they going to interpret this? You know, like, are they going to? And then when you listen to the, oh, my God, they got it. Oh, yeah, they see the struggle. Oh, wow. They, you know, they didn't beat me up for the time jumps. You know, they kind of went with it, you know, because it's a low budget film. Which was nice, you know. It really was nice. I had told people too, like, "Hey, wow, look at what these folks did." They they had people comment on the film, and you get to see what they think. And to me, that was that was like an audience uh, review. You know, you have when they do screenings and they get an audience uh, review for the studios. Yeah, it's well, not as harsh. I don't like. Yeah, maybe it's yeah, maybe it's low budget, but there's there's emotion there, right? Like especially with the two characters, like the. There's a there's a journey between the two of them, so that's what we're following, right? Well, yeah, thank you for saying that. It's true. It you give people a break in filmmaking if they're telling a good story. Did you see that film Pie? Sure, yeah. Darren Aronofsky's film. Yeah. He shot it for twenty five grand, yeah. long time ago. Yeah, black and white, sixteen millimeter. Yeah. The, the the production design was cheap and and you know i'm an it guy so when i saw the chip that he was using like oh that's an ic chip that's not even a, a pro i didn't care i didn't yeah. care i love this concept that this guy is trying to solve you know wall street uh money the pattern of the stock market and yeah. then you get the acidic jews after him you get the corporations after him and his brain is blown up because it's too much data from god finally blows his brain up you know <laughs> at the end i love that film and the music that was um what's his name's first score uh oh geez i hate when i do this i go up uh, <laughs> on names right you know he's a he's uh he's a great great composer and he, he he did uh the fountain as well and there's a lot of darren's films yeah he works with them a lot but then yeah well you, then that's he he brought emotion right so like right so like all these great filmmakers like um sorry the guy who just did uh the batman films oh my god i just the guy christopher who, nolan christopher nolan like see the follower see his first film right very like made for like ten thousand dollars like it's just very cheap and but he he's got game like he know he he brings that out of that that emotion he brings out that you know what i mean it's just like there's something about that he they understand that the human journey and they understand storytelling as well right so you tell you know that's what's terrible at movies these last several years they're they're politically motivated they they're trying to push narratives and, you know, my, in theater and in filmmaking, we say, you know, a good story well told. You know, the other stuff is really a bunch of BS. And a lot of people are catching on to A lot of people have caught on to it. And they're finally speaking out against it. Yeah. The fact that um, the Oscars, they, they, they literally have to, they're literally saying your crew has to be uh, diverse and whatever. And you're like, what are you doing? You're you're mis you're misviewing all the ideas of civil liberties by forcing people to cast by color. The, the 1964 Civil Rights Act eliminated all that and said, "Hey, meritocracy, go do good work. You now have the freedom to create a life without being augmented or, or suppressed by these ideals." And we had to work our way there, and we do. We have a lot better culture for people of all different races and color. It doesn't matter. Just go do work. Be a good person. Go do good work. You know? Yeah. It's Clint Menz Menzel, I guess. That's the There you go. Yeah. Clint Menzel. Yeah. 
He did uh, the whale too. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, he he works with all of his movies. He he does all his movies, Aronofsky's movies, right? So yeah. Plus, yeah, I love I love the fountain soundtrack and I love the pie soundtrack. It's it's both they're both great. Yeah. Well, I think that I appreciate your your conversation because yeah, this is this is a, like the way it came together and it's like it's not it wasn't easy, but it's done and now it's, people are watching it and uh and just like oh, even your whole crew, you everybody's involved in the film. It's like it's it's completed, right? So everybody Yeah, I hope that's I hope that's the reward for people who put their time in for very little money or no money is they get to see their work projected. Yeah. And yeah. So when I have the people, I invite them to the screenings. It's like, Hey guys, here you go. You know, like everybody wants this. And that's why you're here to do that. And, you know, we, we did this one little thing. So now it's on to the next one. So we'll see what that is. Yeah. And you won't do things for, for cheap again. You're going to do, yeah, you're done. I'm done with it, man. I am done. <laughs> Every, you know, I was watching one of those YouTube videos, uh, one of the uh, filmmaking channels, and they're and they're like, you know, you do about three shorts, and that's it. And I go, you know what? I get that. I put my time in. You know, I, I work. I work. I still lately, when the colorist had had to quit, I put in probably forty hours more of coloring uh, on it to fix it. Yeah. You know, with another guy. And that was just a couple of weeks ago. And finally, it's like, when are you going to put this thing to bed? It's like, well, yes. And when it's projected, I want to make sure it's the best that we can do. Yeah. That said, you got to let go. You, you never finish a film. You abandon it. You have to get, you have to move on. Right. So. You sound like you, that sounds like it comes from experience, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You, man. You've shot, you've shot one too. Back in the day, back in the day, I do this now, but it's like I, I you just like you, but then you look, I look back and oh, the only thing I see now is what I could have done better, right? So, but that's that's the filmmaking process. That's what it's all about, right? So, what was the film you mentioned? The Follower by by Nolan. Yeah, Christopher. He's, he's so basically, it's one of his first movies. It was done for like ten thousand dollars, and it's about this guy who's obsessed with like voyeurism. Like it's it's, it's a theme in all his films, really. If you look at the Batman films where, but he's just obsessed with like following people on the streets, right. And seeing where they go and things like that. And that's the basic concept, but then it, it, it it's just, it's just not, not very, it's done very cheap. And it's like, but there was something there you knew right away. And then he does memento. And then that's. Oh, he did memento. Yeah. Jeez, man. I don't even remember that. I know he did the film with Al Pacino in Alaska. Yeah, yeah, and that's pretty. That's an underrated film too, right? So it is uh, insomnia. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, insomnia. Yeah, it's underrated yeah. because he still used the same DP, and that's why I go. There's something about these shots. Yeah, and especially in the beginning when he's taking the plane in, and they got these beautiful shots. Yeah, the way you cover it, the competency of the coverage, also brings a beauty to to the film. Yeah. So yeah, so then uh, now obviously Oppenheimer, like he's 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 always trying to hit a uh, grand slam every time he he steps up to the plate, right? So he's always trying to to make an epic movie, and and uh, he succeeds a lot of the times. But yeah, so that this this is beginnings, right? He's like figuring it out, and it's like, but you know, ninety minutes to tell a story, most people can't do that. That's like that's that's a that's a long journey, right? So a lot of moving parts and doing it for cheap. It's like you know you got something, right? You're talking about pie, so. Aronofsky and Nolan are probably the two, you know, great filmmakers of the last 20 years, right? So yeah, because Aronofsky also adds a level of mysticism to his films, a hint of it. 
it always has like a spiritual, even though he says he's not religious, but I don't know. I mean, he he, he did Noah, if you remember yeah. that, you know? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. You know, the people that, all the, all the religious people can't stand. <laughs> so... But, but hey, Mel no Gibson, Mel no Gibson's doing the passion too, so we'll see how oh, that one goes. Is come. he really? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Oh, wait. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know that was a thing. So. Well, I don't know how much time we have, but you know, there's if you want a, a lesson in filmmaking, you watch two. You watch two films, and there are two different versions of Payback by Bill Gibson. Okay. There's the director's cut, which is the guy who did Night's Tale. Okay. Then they tested it. This is behind the scenes footage I watched. They tested it and they was like, yeah, it ain't testing very well. So Mel Gibson and the director are both talking about their experience with what happened after the test, right? And the guy's like, I got nothing. I can't do anything with it. So Mel says, he said he had nothing. So I took over. Mel added the comedy. He added the multiple characters. And they did cut a fight scene of him and his wife in the beginning of the film, which I think is excellent. It's harsh to watch because she's an addict and Mel Gibson was trying to protect her and she wanted her drugs and he hid it from her and she fights him for it. It's a great scene. It's a great scene. But, you know, they had, a, I, I don't know if the studios cut it or whatever, but, you know, yeah, that's, so a, that's a lesson in filmmaking. You're talking about tone, right? Like he's he's mixing genres. He's basically like, but he's like, that's tough to do. And yeah, he's got he's got that he's got that ability to do that. But how do you do how, how do you do a movie where the Jesus already died? How do you, how do, you do the second? <laughs> I, I believe it's before he died. Okay. Oh, so it's like a prequel. Prequel, I think. You know, look, it's hush hush. I just saw it on IMDb. All right. You know, so. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe Stallone was in Expendables 4, okay? So this is possible. Yeah, okay. But yeah, but then there's this history, right? So of the last yeah. 10 years, I don't want to get into it, but all right. <laughs> Dude, I appreciate your time. So let's talk again when, when you make your big film and uh, and uh, look at the thing, like I said, thanks for your candor and making it. It was a, I know it was a, it was a film within a film, the, the journey itself. So I appreciate you uh, talking about it. And thank you. I, you're, what you folks are doing over there is really good stuff. I love I love this inter interaction stuff, engaging stuff. Uh, you know, I, if I was watching some of your your interviews with people, I I get a lot of value from it. So thank you. Thank you so much. One, two, three, four, five, six.